0: Well, hello, and welcome back to the Storm Weather Podcast. This is episode 162. I'm Rando, and this is our special Sun Safety Edition. We like to play that every year. I got a chance to interview my dermatologist, Dr. Christopher Wilbers, and he's got some great information on sun safety. And uh, All sorts of things, suntan lotion, what skin cancer is, how to prevent it. It's just an amazing interview. But first, we want to talk about some stuff going on this week here in the Branson area, actually all of Southwest Missouri. We are under a freeze warning Wednesday night into Thursday. Freeze warning goes into effect Thursday morning at 1 a.m. through 9 a.m. We got a little chunk of cold air that's moved through. Um, this That's going to put our highs on Thursday only in the mid-50s. Friday morning could be another kind of chilly morning. I'm looking at the forecast grid now. It's about 30, 31. Uh, for Branson now, areas north and especially east, uh, south central Missouri, and in central Missouri are going to get uh, probably down in the mid twenties. So a hard freeze is expected, and that's going to affect the growing season. We are uh, officially in that T- today is March thirty first, Wednesday. Uh, tomorrow is April Fool's, April first. So maybe that's Mother Nature's way of saying, you know, I still have control of winter you know April fools here's some sub freezing temperatures for y'all but anyway need to make some the precautions to cover some sensitive vegetation uh we like i said you know we're where the crops are just starting to grow so uh, people need to really if you are a, a, a farmer or, or just have some plants outside cover them up bring them in uh do what you can because uh, the temperatures in the, the mid 20s are probably going to Kind of do in some of that sensitive plants. If 30, it's not quite as cold, but still we're going to endure several hours of that. So that's when a freeze warning is issued uh, at the uh, end of summer or into fall going into winter. And as all the freeze warning is also issued in the spring when the growing season starts. So, uh, but we don't have to worry about that very much. I mean, looking at the forecast grid, Friday high in the low sixties, Saturday high in the upper sixties, Sunday, mid seventies, Monday, mid seventies. And so, so we're, you know, we're, we're progressing. This is just one of those little shots of (laughs) cold air that's come down and kind of made us miserable just for a little bit, but, uh, Anyway, that's what's going on in the front here. So I want to turn it over to our interview with Dr. Wilbers. Enjoy. And we will see you uh, uh, hopefully on April 5th on Monday for an in-person Storm Stormdrawer Weather Podcast. <laughs> I am thrilled to have someone who knows a lot more about the effects of the sun on our skin than me. <laughs> we have with us today Dr. Christopher Wilbers, a dermatologist at Ferrell Duncans in Springfield. So, Dr. Wilbers, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, thanks so much. I'm excited to be here.
0: Great, great, great. Yes, I know. Uh, we are, uh, The uh, spring is here. The sun is out. People are at the lake, and they are laying out and grabbing the sun, and I think I know what you might say about that, but that's probably not the best thing that they should do.
1: (laughs) <laughs>
0: Am I right? <laughs> Boy, it,
1: it was it was a be- it was a beautiful day out there today for sure. Just a classic spring day, wasn't it?
0: It oh it sure goodness. was. We're kind of so. going into the thermal slingshot right now. I mean, we're going to you know we had snow on Sunday and today we're you know close to eighty. It's it's just nuts out there. Now I know uh, I have to tell everyone you are my dermatologist, and uh, we I had a visit with you. A few weeks ago, and uh, found out you are also interested in weather. I thought that was fascinating. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It was actually my first uh, major in college uh, uh, at the University of Missouri, uh, low these many years ago. So, uh, oh,
0: that's fascinating. Yeah. yeah, and but but that is wasn't probably the. What wasn't your goal I, at that time? <laughs> well,
1: I, you know it I, I would I thought it was just wonderful. I uh, grew up in uh, Mexico, Missouri, and we uh, got some of the St. Louis uh, uh, television stations there. And uh, I remember one of the uh, on, you know, television meteorologists uh, who, you know, had uh, actually had a degree in meteorology. And is, as you know, back in the, you know, 70s and 80s, that that was not all that common. And right. a lot of folks were just sort of a, uh, you know, a weather announcer rather than being particularly knowledgeable about the weather. And uh, I, I thought, well, that's, that's pretty cool. And so I thought, I, you know, I'm, I like weather. I love being outdoors. I spent a couple of summers out on my dad's uh, farm and just loved that, you know, being able to watch the sky and see whether, you know, events moving through. And uh, so I thought, hi, that's, that's what I'm going to do. Cause I, I figured it was uh, also a great way to use science to help people. Uh, yeah. And uh, you know, and so it was, it just fit a lot of my interests. And so, um, so yeah, so that's what I declared as a, as a major going into the university of Missouri, which meant I was in the school of agriculture and, got a introductory uh meteorology course and uh a lot of uh physics uh, and chemistry to go along with that and it was actually just the uh pain of going through freshman level physics that kind of that made me think rethink my major
0: oh man oh yeah <laughs> <But>, uh,
1: <laughs> yeah i just i knew i was going to have four years of you know more and more advanced physics and fluid dynamics and and it just uh i was like i you know i i love you know the the subject matter but it was just i just was uh, uh, It was kind of taught at that level as kind of a weed out. And I, I just felt like I don't know if I can take four years of kind of, uh, <laughs> you know, of, of that sort of uh, thrashing. And so uh, so I decided to look at, you know, other strengths that I had. And, and biology was uh, felt like a really uh, natural fit for me. And so yeah. I changed my major to biology and then, again, trying to figure out how I could use biology to – to help people, I had a great example in my dad of a uh of a uh, of a wonderful caring physician, and so that was uh the direction that I decided to go um much to my Parents' uh, uh, pleasure—they they knew that I was not necessarily going to college to become a physician, but uh, oh, they were yeah. pretty happy with that with that phone call when I announced the change. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I, you know, I know exactly what you mean because I've I've been totally fascinated in weather since I was thirteen and thought about mm. becoming a me- meteorologist, but then I, like you said, you know, then I looked—you have to have physics and calculus and fluid dynamics and all this. You know, it took me two times in college to pass the baby math class, and yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I said maybe yeah. that's not for. Right. Of course, I mean, I'm I'm a musician, so I've been playing since I was three and a half. So you know, music is my life. So I decided to make weather yeah. my passion and music my career. And it sounds like you made dermatology your career, and weather is another passion. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, discovered uh, dermatology, you know, along the way. It wasn't the uh, necessarily what I went to medical school to become. Oh. Uh but you know the the interesting thing about that is that of course the our skin is kind of the organ of the body that really interfaces with the environment. And I didn't actually have that in mind when I, you know, per- decided to pursue dermatology, but, uh, you know, it, that's the part of us that encounters the weather that encounters the, uh, uh, the, uh, the, you know, all of the other insults that come along with uh, our environment and, uh, uh, and, uh, so it's, uh, it's actually probably the the closest, you know, the closest that I could come in medicine to, you know, to, uh, uh, to really being directly related to, uh, to weather and, uh, other environmental factors. Um, I think
0: uh, that's awesome. Um, you know, and I'm thankful that, that you chose this or else, you know, we wouldn't have ever met up or whatever. <laughs> well, that, that kind of <laughs> brings me around what you just said to, to my basic question, you know, people are out and they're, you know, I, I see them. We have Moonshine Beach down here. Uh They're out on their boats. They're fishing. And I bet you yeah. more than half of those people are not even wearing sunscreen. Yeah. And I don't, yeah. you know, I don't think people take skin sun safety, you know, serious enough. Uh, because at the time, you know, I see people you know, their, their skin gets leathery when they get older. I mean, and, you, you know, and skin cancers do develop. Um Is there like an average? I mean, people are, the young people are out there in the, you know, getting all this sun, but how long does it really take for, you know, skin cancers to come up?
1: Sure. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, You know, by age 70, uh, which that's, older than probably a lot of uh, uh, your listeners, I'm guessing, you know, but by age 70, uh, you know, about one in five people will have developed a skin cancer. Wow. Uh, And so, and that's in the United States. That's not just looking at worldwide, that's specifically the U.S. So Hmm. that's Mm a, you know, that's a very significant proportion. That's 20% of people. And, um, uh, you know, so uh, the, it's a, so it is prevalent and in terms of onset um i would say it, it used to be that the the average you know age of my patients was probably about 60 for their first in cancer uh, and um uh And I still kind of think in that mode that you know, okay, well, late fifties early sixties is probably gonna be the most typical onset time, but I have uh you know more and more patients in their forties and even in their thirties with uh with skin cancer uh and um uh just had uh, somebody today that we biopsied in their 30s for a possible uh basal cell carcinoma on the, the upper chest and oh uh, man uh, and and so uh so I'm seeing more and more uh, of that now we don't see too many folks in their uh, you know, in their teenage years with with melanoma or other types of skin cancer, uh, partly because there's definitely a cumulative type of damage that occurs over time as we get impacted by those ultraviolet rays. They cause mutations in the DNA and the skin cells. And our our, our body does a fairly good job, actually, of picking up these little uh, mutations and repairing them. But over time, there are an accumulation of unrepaired uh, defects that build up to cause a lot of those aging changes that we see, and uh, then eventually uh, to uh, allow the development of uh, skin cancer so wow uh, so yeah. there's a wear and tear effect that happens uh you know cumulatively over time well
0: well, that's probably what you know why some people in their you know 50s 60s and 70s that have been laying out in the sun their skin gets all leathery and there's really dark it just basically they've just radiated their skin is what kind of what <laughs> i mean i mean do you yeah. think about it you know but
1: we- yes, there's. It's very true. Yeah, and uh, you know, ultraviolet uh, light is you know in that electromagnetic spectrum of of radiation, and uh, and it is in fact doing that. And of course, we're also subjecting our skin to. Heat rays. Now that doesn't maybe have as much effect on uh, cancer development as, as far as we know, the the heating of the skin and the the infrared rays, uh, oh. which are also invisible. But they probably do have a significant effect on altering the. Uh the, uh the the look and the feel of the skin as far as aging changes are concerned and particularly that kind of leatheriness that you uh, oh. that you mentioned earlier those rays penetrate more deeply into the skin into the the second layer of the skin which is called the dermis and that's where those structural parts of our uh, of our skin that that, uh, that including collagen and uh, blood vessels and so forth those are in that layer of the skin and so as, as those layers literally get cooked uh to a certain degree those proteins get altered by that that chron- that heat and repeated heating uh and uh and, cha- and elastic fibers in the skin get damaged and altered uh to the point that we we lose skin elasticity Uh, We lose the resiliency of the skin to injury. So, you know, as people get older, they bump their arm on the desk or the corner of the door and they get a big old bruise that, you know, when, you know, Uh. years before they they. Never would have had that, or maybe the skin even uh, peels away or tears, and uh, uh, and again, that has a lot to do with the loss of that that uh, structural resiliency. And it's not just age; it's actually the these these chronic effects of the uh, of the sun and the heat on the skin over time. Will you'll people will notice those changes really happen on like for example, the backs of the forearms and the hands. But that inside part of the forearm or uh, the inside part of the arm closer to the armpit that never gets any sun uh, or rarely gets sun, uh, that skin usually doesn't have those kinds of problems nearly to that same degree, at least not until many, many years later, you know. Yeah. um, So, yeah. So the sun makes a huge difference in those kinds of changes. Well, that kind of
0: leads me to my, my next question. You know, people think... You know, they just have—they just should protect, like, their, their arm, just the, their forearm on the top or put it on your forehead and your nose. But, I mean, you you could really get burned, I mean, anywhere in your body, like like you're saying, underneath the arm where it doesn't—you uh, know, the, the leathery part or, I mean, people don't think— yeah uh, the top of the ears i mean i never think of the top of my ears you know that could be in danger well you know i i mean right. i wear a cap sure. not a hat but a cap but um right yeah i mean the 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 back of the knees i guess i mean if you if you lay out uh, you know face down or something you're you're exposing a lot of your body to to that so right. so what what should people do with they if they kind of notice you know like a a mole or a growth or something on their hand. Um, what should what should they do? Just watch it or you know if it changes or yeah, something. That's-
1: Sure, that's a that's a great question. And you know, there's there there are different kinds of skin cancer and, and the most serious kind uh that we encounter commonly is melanoma skin cancer. That is a cancer of the pigment cells and, and of course it's pigment cells that make up the molds that we see in our skin. Uh, and the, the technical term for those is melanocyte. So that's where that Term melanoma comes from. It's a cancer of the melanocyte or the pigment cell. Ah. Uh, the reason we're so concerned about that one is because it's the one that's most prone to metastasize, which is to spread internally. And so, uh, so melanoma has that potential to do that, uh, like a, a breast cancer or a lung cancer or or a colon cancer. Uh, mm. And uh, but the advantage is is that you have the opportunity, you know, as a Individual or your doctor has an opportunity to make a much earlier diagnosis because it's out on this surface that you can see, and so uh, so yeah, I think the you know the idea that if I see a, a new or changing kind of spot on my skin, you know maybe that's important. And uh, of course, not everything that's new and changing on our skin is going to be cancerous, but uh, they right. to, uh, over the years they've looked at some signs for melanoma to try to help people uh pick out uh spots that might be uh imp- might be uh dangerous and um the one thing i've I've found is that a lot of people kind of have this idea that well if I get a cancer I'm just going to know it you know it's it'll it'll somehow send me a signal it'll tell me it's <laughs> a cancer and then I'll know I need to go see the doctor but uh in fact uh you know most melanomas at the at their most curable stages don't have any symptoms.
0: Uh oh. so they're not
1: gonna necessarily itch or burn or sting or bleed. And so if you kinda wait for some kind of a signal like that to develop, you could be uh getting a more advanced cancer. Uh so yeah, so you mentioned about, you know, if you see something and that's really the key is to number 1, you know, inspect the skin, uh look at your own skin and get to know your own uh moles and spots that you have because the the thing about melanoma is that it, it's a unstable cancer. It's not going to just sit there and do nothing. Uh, so, so it's going to grow new, and, and
0: progress. It's and... going to
1: grow. That's right. It's going to develop, you know, so it's going to change in size, shape, or color, uh, over time. It's not just going to kind of sit there for 20 years and, 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 and look the same as it always has. Uh-huh. Uh, the, uh, so a new, a new pigmented spot, a new colored spot on the skin that you haven't had previously, uh, is a, is a big clue because about half of melanomas come up as brand new spots that you've never had before. About the other half come up as changed changes or degeneration within a pre-existing mole. And so, uh, and so a, a new or a changing spot, either one could be important. And there okay. are some. Okay. Criteria that uh, you know for looking at any particular spot at one point in time that have been nicknamed the ABCDs of melanoma, and uh, I can run through those if you if you if sure. you like if that yeah be
0: helpful. everybody'd love to know sure.
1: <laughs> yeah so uh, so uh, A stands for asymmetry uh, that's kind of not the most common everyday word but. basically uh, something is symmetrical if you mentally sort of cut the thing in half and the two halves would look like mirror image matches of each other. Mm, Okay. And so most moles, if you imagine or look at your own arm or or your back or your leg, uh, you know, if you just imagine sort of making a cut through any of the middle of those, most of them are going to be, they're sort of round or oval to start with. And so uh, a slice through the middle is going to kind of make two matching halves. So that's good. Asymmetry would be, the, the the if those two halves look different from each other and the more different that they look or the the harder it would be to eat, find any way to slice the mole in half without uh without those two halves being different that that's uh, uh that becomes a more and more of a concern mm-hmm. so uh, so B uh, stands for border irregularity so your most most of your normal moles on your body are going to have a nice sharp uh, edge to them they're not going to be jaggedy and outline like the the coast of maine or uh, right, you know, right. or uh, or something uh, like that they're going to be have a nice smooth outline so something that if you look at a mole and you start imagining uh, you know that it looks like something other object like a horse, or uh, the or Australia, or Africa, or
0: right, uh, you yeah. know, uh,
1: a little man running, you know those kinds <laughs> of uh, you know those kinds of things where you're starting to have a an ink blot test as you look at your mole. That's a warning sign. That mole's not not a, a normal shape. Then uh-huh. C stands for color, uh, so. Most moles should be one even color throughout. What the concern with a mole is not whether it's a light brown or a medium brown or a dark brown per se but whether that color is even and uniform. So moles that have varieties of colors within them, uh, different shades of brown, and, and then even uh, the the lack of pigment. So a white spot within a mole or uh, a red area that uh, develops within a, within a mole. Those huh. all can be uh, warning indicators of uh, something abnormal. So we like uniform color. Uh, and if there is occasionally a Little, you know, dots, say in the middle of your mole, and it, again, it's very symmetrical. That's not nearly as much of a concern as if you get some kind of, you know, irregular color area that's not in the center. So right, right. Uh, so and then finally, uh, the D stands for diameter, and uh, on average, most of our moles are going to be pencil eraser sized or smaller. So if you grab a pencil eraser, that's about six millimeters in diameter, and and if you can cover up, uh, you know, all of your moles with a pencil eraser, they're smaller than that. And that doesn't necessarily mean a funny looking small mole should get a pass. Okay, right, so if right. Got those, if it's asymmetrical and has a border and a variation of colors, even if it's half the size of a pencil eraser, it probably needs to be looked at. But uh, on the other hand uh, you know just because a mole is bigger than that if it's been sitting there for 20 years and it happens to be half again as big as a pencil eraser and it's never changed and it doesn't have any other funny features it's probably not so bad but on average most melanomas that are diagnosed are six millimeters or larger in size so gotcha. a, big, a big a mole bigger than that with you know one or more of those sort of unusual features is going to be a much more concerning mold that again should prompt somebody to get in to see their doctor and so uh, so we've got A, and, B, yeah.
0: B, C, and D. All, Correct. All yes. these,
1: and then e, we actually talked about first. There is oh, an e. e. That's a uh, and that's evolution or change over time. So we kind of ah. introduced that before the ABCDs. But uh, yeah, you know, so if a mole is stable, that's a good sign. If it's evolving, you know, uh, then that's a that's an unstable mole, and that's one that needs to be uh, needs to be looked at.
0: Yes. Well, I mean, everybody knows. For me, they see me on live casts and everything, but I have fair skin. And my eyes are blue green. So, I, and yeah. I I don't go out in the in the sun uh, that yeah. often. And when when I do, it's at a short distance or whatever. <laughs> I've only been, I would say, heavily sunburnt twice in my life. Uh, when I was mm-hmm. fourteen, I went to the Bahamas. Didn't yeah. even realize it. Uh, it was in late spring. Uh, got blisters. Uh, yeah. At fourteen, well, I'm in my mid fifties now. And another another yeah. time was about ten years ago. I went on a canoe trip, and it took a lot longer than I thought. And I was an idiot. I have to admit, I didn't put sunscreen. Now I had shading. I had you know wore the the long sleeves and had the hat on. But, yeah. you know, it, it was supposed to take four and a half hours and it took about 10 hours. So, it, so the sun right. was setting when we pulled into right. to the, the dock under there. But, but having a sunburn, let me ask you this. What, if someone wasn't fortunate to get a sunburn, what do you suggest they do? I mean, how, how do you treat that?
1: Right, sure. Uh well, you know, it it depends a little bit on the severity and the and how extensive it is. So, you know, if it's just a little slight redness, uh, you know, and uh, there's no blistering, it's just over a limited area. I um, mean, it's it may be a little bit uncomfortable for a short period of time. Uh, a person, you know, oftentimes can just soothe that with uh, with uh, cooling agents. I, there's an over-the-counter uh, uh, product that I would often recommend in that situation uh, that uh, would be a lotion that contains some menthol and camphor. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if I can mention brand names, but the one that sure. I, the one that I mentioned uh, the, to to my patients quite often is Sarna. Uh, mm-hmm. That's spelled S-A-R-N-A, lotion, mm-hmm. uh, and it's got some nice cooling menthol and camphor, which is going to be soothing for that. It's also very helpful for itchy skin. So people are out and get bug bites and
0: ah. mosquitoes,
1: uh, sarna is a, is a wonderful uh, agent that can be applied really as often as a person wants to for some itch and uh, burning, stinging relief. And so that's a, that's a nice thing to have. That's uh, great. On the it comes that's in a nice great. big bottle. And you know can can be used frequently now. If it if you know if you have a more extensive uh, burn and you're, a person is starting to kind of feel maybe a little sick, maybe a little feverish, which can sometimes happen because of the uh, some of the uh, cytokines that that damage uh, releases from our skin uh, it can make us feel like you know almost like you're kind of getting the flu. Ah. And you may want to take some uh, an anti-inflammatory like some ibuprofen or. Leave, uh, although those can actually make you more sensitive to the sun in terms of sunburning in the first place. So oh, keep, okay. Uh, keep that in mind if you have other expo- anticipate other exposures coming up. Uh, but. Uh, uh, but that can help to uh, alleviate that problem. I always encourage people to make sure if they do take those to stay really well hydrated because you don't want to damage your kidneys, and to make sure also to take those with food because you don't want to irritate your stomach. Oh yeah, uh, from uh, with those uh, products. Um, yeah. But then you know the care for that uh, may you know a person may need to uh, if they have blisters, uh, they may need to drain some of the fluid out of those blisters, and then. Uh, apply an emollient, something that's going to help retain moisture because that damaged skin barrier is going to dry out. It's going to make it more uncomfortable. And so I like Vaseline or coconut oil
0: uh, or
1: nice emollients to put on those. And if you have raw areas from those blisters coming off, then to kind of hold that in place with a non-stick uh, bandage like uh, Telfa, which kind of has a little plasticky surface. Oh can, yeah,
0: Telfa pads, uh, right? Keep the
1: ointment in place uh, without sticking to the base of those. You don't want to let so- have something there that then dries out and gets stuck, and then you have to pull it off that raw skin. And oh yeah, durable. Now, No, that, w- that uh, was that was what what we
0: call ungood. Uh, we, right. that is so yeah. good. Well, a lot of people uh, that, that come in, yeah. uh, they have sunburns and stuff, they go immediately to the aloe vera. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, mm-hmm. What's your thoughts yeah. on aloe?
1: Well, I mean, I think it I think if it if it feels nice, I don't really have a problem with aloe. Uh it's, you know, it's it's kind of in that cooling soothing agent type of a thing, but if that skin is denuded, if that top of those blisters is peeling is come off and there's raw skin underneath there, uh the aloe's not going to really help the healing of that uh the way that uh those emollients like the Vaseline and the coconut oil would do. That's you've got great to, to know. Rebuild new skin cells there. Yes, so, because so yeah, many people so. just
0: want to run out and get that aloe, whatever they you know, and just smear it all yeah. over them. But but it may not be the best thing depending on what like what you're saying. If it's a, a severe burn, you probably want to use the, right. the 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 camphor and the the what 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 did you say the
1: yeah, the sarna with the menthol yeah. and the camphor, or the aloe for mild burns. I think those, you know, those would be for you know more on the mild side, and then, like I said, the more severe burns than the. Those uh, things like the ibuprofen by mouth and then the uh, emollients on the surface of the skin.
0: Well, now you, you'd mentioned uh, the, the, the really bad cancer, which is uh, the melanoma, but uh, we were talking a few weeks ago. I mean, aren't there, there's two other ones, right? There's the basal cell and the squamous cell. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. Yes. Yeah, so squamous cell carcinoma and basal cell carcinoma. Those are much more common than melanoma, uh, and actually, if you look at the statistics, um, more people die of squamous cell carcinoma each year than die of melanoma just because of the, the much higher numbers of those that are diagnosed uh, but uh, they're, uh, they are not cancers of the pigment cells of the skin, but cancers of the skin cells themselves. So the, ah. it's mutations in those epidermal cells, that outer layer of the skin that, uh, uh, that when, those, when mutations happen in those cells, that's where you have the potential to get the basal cell carcinoma or the squamous cell carcinoma.
0: Gotcha. Okay. That's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, I, I'm glad excuse me, I'm glad when uh, when I see you, you, you've got the nitrogen gun. You're ready every, uh, every time. <laughs> and I used to be afraid of that, but I'm not anymore. And if people's, if anyone's ever gone to a dermatologist before, I mean, that's, that's usually a good first step. I, am I correct? I mean, if you have a, a pre-cancer, yeah. something that's not cancer yet is just to freeze it off just right there.
1: Correct. Yeah. So those things that we treat with that liquid nitrogen freezer uh, are um, actinic Keratosis; those are a precancer cancer that can become squamous cell carcinoma. So oh. we're able to, you know, identify these spots that have directly have that potential to go bad and and turn into one of those. So we uh, basically apply a little mini frostbite to each of those places, and uh, that kills that outer layer of skin cells with cold, and they blister up and scab over and and fall off, and they may leave you with a little whitish spot where they were but uh, uh, most of the time that uh, that particular spot uh, doesn't come back and and have the opportunity to become the the squamous cell carcinoma skin cancer good
0: and, and people and, uh, should not be afraid of the liquid nitrogen i mean it it's actually not painful it stings a little bit but that sting just goes away like within 10 seconds i mean it's
1: you know well, well you're 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 tough and you're tolerant and that is that oh is that's really d- that's good. a difference. You know, <laughs> I, there there are some people that do have a challenge, you know. Oh really? It. I I wouldn't minimize that because you know for those folks be, because uh, everybody perceives you know pain differently. That's so true. There is, yes, it is, it, it is somewhat painful, and you know I the beard you know, talking about numbers, and I, you know, I had somebody today that we did over 40 of those, you know, in oh, one wow. office visit. And, um, you know, at, you know, two or three, not so bad, you know, having 40 at a time, uh, that's a lot for, you know, somebody who uh, who has average tolerance to, to handle. And this person happens to have a very high pain tolerance. And so they were able to put up with that, but not everybody, you know, can do that. And so that that's, that's true. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Dermatologist more frequently. Yes. Well, I go every uh,
0: single year. Every single year, unless mm -hmm. I'm asked to come back more often. But yeah, it's really, really good to have to go and see a dermatologist once a year, have them have them check you over, make sure nothing is, is going on, because the last thing people want to get is a basal cell, squamous cell, or or God forbid, melanoma, cancer. Right, you need to get right, that taken right. care of. well, I guess my last question for you is sunscreen people should wear yeah. sunscreen. what, in your opinion, would be the best sunscreen out there i mean s p f five thousand or you know there's so many <laughs> <laughs> so many numbers out there, you know,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and of course yeah unfortunately, we get a lot of conflicting. Information from you know various sources saying well you don't need uh, you know to use over a fifteen or you know all those kinds of things so yeah there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of mixed messages out there about sunscreen yeah well let me uh, let me just start by saying sun protective clothing we were talking you were talking about clothing on your on your canoe trip earlier and yes. you know sun protective clothing wins over sunscreen every time uh, you know I bet on that canoe trip chances are you didn't burn anywhere that you kept covered with clothing that's right. Uh, uh, and uh and you know and clothing just always works better with sun- than sunscreen does and now there's so many clothes out there that are designed to be cooling as well as ultraviolet protective and those then those clothes that have fabric that's been tested they'll say UPF some number and ah. if it says UPF 30 or above then that clothing has a good ability to absorb ultraviolet light even if it's otherwise light and cool, and so I, I try to encourage people cover up everything that you can with something that's light and cool like that. But if you're tanning through a piece of clothing, uh, then that is not protective enough. So those real thin white cotton T-shirts that uh, uh, that you sometimes see folks wearing that you hold it up to the sun and it just you could you could see right through it or you could read a newspaper through exactly. it exactly yes that's not a you can't that's not protecting you. From the sun. so wow. uh, but then that? for sunscreen, you know uh, I think you know you're i don't really have one particular brand or one particular product to recommend. I think there are a lot of good ones and I use consumer reports reviews actually to help me uh, recommend to my patients you know what sunscreen for this particular year uh, is perform is likely to perform well, but we look for a SPF sun protective factor of. I recommend fifty or above for everybody uh you know some people will tell me I'll put a fifteen on my you know arms I'll put a thirty on my face and you don't have to make it that complicated. Just <laughs> go for a fifty plus everywhere, um, uh-huh. and make sure it also says broad spectrum because that means it also blocks the UVA rays, which are uh, sort of the stealth rays of the sun. They're kind of the we think of them as the aging rays. We think of the UVB rays as the burning rays of the sun, and that SPF number really only tells you how well it protects UVB rays. Uh, oh, okay. The, uh, uh, the The word broad spectrum means that it's been tested also to include good protection in the UVA range
0: See, and then beyond
1: that I think it's good to know that you know uh, sprays uh, of sunscreen tend to go on awful thin and so sunscreen sprays usually need at least two layers and a and a smearing around of the sunscreen in between the, those the application of those two layers to be able to get uh, the number that you're seeing on the label so in general lotions or, or gels uh, are more are going to give you protection with just one layer, but it does need to be generous. It's uh, it's best to use about uh, you know about two tablespoons if you were going to cover the whole body. Uh, about two tablespoons, uh, which is about oh. uh, about one ounce, uh, to cover the whole body. So uh, so that's that, that that's that's probably more generous than what a lot of people use, and that's one of the reasons sunscreens can fail. Uh, and the other is that you know they wash off and they also just get used up. And so after about two hours of exposure, their absorbing capacity is just used up, even if you've been dry.
0: Oh. Uh, 80
1: minutes in the water is the most water-resistant sunscreen that you'll find. And they have to now put that on the label, what they're claiming for water resistance. Uh, and it's either going to be you know none, 40, or 80 minutes. And uh, so that means every... You know, if you have an 80-minute resistant sunscreen, that means every 80 minutes, if you're at the lake, you're hopping in and out of the water, or you're just out in the garden sweating heavily, uh, then you have to, you need to reapply that sunscreen every 80 minutes to keep up the the protection. Because I've and always if you're heard that. A lot of uh, sweat off in between, you're wiping your sunscreen away too.
0: Yeah, so. yeah, I've always heard that. And people, you know, they'll go to the pool and then they say, "Well, I have to reapply my sunscreen," but that that's a good thing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah.
1: I love it. When those lifeguards, if they, you know, if you're at the pool where there's a lifeguard and they blow that whistle, you know, once an hour to have people get out of the pool and have a break, mm-hmm. put that sunscreen on before you get back in again.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Well, you know, we don't want to say, you know, tell people, you know, don't be afraid of the sun. Don't go out and have a good time. Right. Just right. make sure, protect yourself. So you don't have to go through, you know, getting a, a cancer excised. Uh
1: absolutely yeah absolutely and i i think most people are going to be happier healthier as a whole person you know with outdoor activity and uh so yeah i'm i'm a huge advocate for people getting out of doors and and doing those uh those things that help them to be uh you know happy and healthy physically uh, uh you know it's if a person can avoid uh, the 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 sun about two hours before and two hours after, uh, that, uh, that, uh, uh that, Point where the sun's at its zenith, uh, which is going to be a little different if it's daylight savings versus uh, right. you know, versus not. <laughs> uh, but if they can avoid the sun for two hours before and after, you're missing about more than sixty percent of the old, of the UVB rays of the day right there. Uh, okay. So if you can do more activities earlier in the morning, more in the later in the afternoon, uh, you're not going to have nearly as much of a challenge uh, getting your your sunscreen and your sun protective clothing to work work for you as you will at that uh, at the middle of the day.
0: And and that's when people should mow their lawns in the early morning or late yeah. at night. Num- number one, yes. uh, less sun, yep. number two, it's cooler.
1: <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah. We didn't even talk about things like heat stroke and all that. That goes beyond uh, the dermatology realm, but uh, all those, yeah, all of those things can uh, can occur. So,
0: oh gosh, yeah. Well, uh, you know, uh, our listeners know on our podcast and on our website, uh, we I do uh, little weather schools, and we strongly suggest people to go and look at that. I've got one about heat. Uh, actually, we've got about thirty or forty different weather schools out there. And, uh, so we need to check that out. Dr. Wilbers, this has been just thrilling. I'm so glad you decided to come on the, the special guest segment today and, uh, I hope you had a good time.
1: Oh, I did. It was great. And it's, uh, it's always, a it's always a pleasure to talk with you. And, uh, yeah, this was, this was a lot of fun and I'm, you know, I, I'm passionate about, uh, trying to educate my patients and so a lot of the things that we talked about today are things that I'm uh, you know uh, telling people in the office every day so I, I hope it's been uh, helpful to uh, your listeners and that uh, there'll be uh, a lot of fewer people with uh, uh, problems with their skin from the Sun this uh, this summer as a result
0: oh I, I I hope nobody has any any issues and you know if you've never seen a dermatologist go see a dermatologist just get yourself checked get a baseline, make sure nothing's going on. Matter of fact, I got to admit since we were sitting here doing, doing the interview, I've been looking at my moles, uh, just making sure that none of them have, have grown. And so I'm being very aware of that. Uh, well, again, thank you. Uh, I'm sure our listeners are going to really take this hopefully to heart and use sunscreen and cover up when they're out on the pool and stuff. So uh, we'll have to have you back sometime.
1: All right well I'd, I'd sure appreciate uh, the opportunity and uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun uh, i I'll just mention if people would like to get some more information either about skin cancers or sun protection. Uh, The American Academy of Dermatology uh, has a website online, aad.org, and there's public information there. And then the Skin Cancer Foundation, uh, I think, has some really good information specifically honed in on skin cancer. And that's are easy, skincancer.org. So, And they'll, they'll have uh, photos so and
0: everything have, there too? So people can go and there look? There
1: are photos, there are information sheets, and uh, uh, statistics about skin cancer. There's uh, a whole uh, variety of information at both of those sites. So, yeah. awesome. awesome. And the AAD. aad.org also has a lot of information about many other kinds of skin disorders as well. So if people are looking for a resource on other things besides skin cancer and this, sun, that Uh, that's a great choice as well
0: perfect perfect go to those websites so excellent well i look forward to seeing you on our next visit